You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Today we come to the end of Advent and the the exciting celebration of the light of Christ bursting into our reality. And so today what I want to talk to you about is what that all means. Why that even matters for every single person in this room. And I want us to read, I'm going to read from the Gospel of John. John was a close friend of Jesus. He wrote out the entire story after Jesus had lived, died, and was resurrected. He, he thought this story is important. People need to hear this story. And so that's why we can read it today. Because 2,000 years ago, someone's mind was blown by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And he wrote it down. But in, the ch- in chapter 1 of the Gospel, of John in verse 9, he says this. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word, the eternal word, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. This is John speaking. Me and my friends, we have seen this glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. The word of God. The word of the Lord. See, if you're going to program your congregation, you got to make sure you get the, the right words at the beginning. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Fantastic. We're trying to become liturgical. I'm not, we're working on it. I want to ask you on this, this special day, as you, you show up, and some of you, you showed up here because you want to feel your, your warm fuzzies as we, as we enter into these next few days. Some of us are here because of tradition. Some of us are here for nostalgia. We want to hear our Christmas songs. Um, so I want to ask this question, what do you think you're doing here this morning? What do you think, why are we all here? Why are we, what are we searching for? What are we expecting? What are we hoping to get out of this morning? What are we hoping that Marika and the team can pull off for us this morning in our hearts? What are we hoping that these, I'm sorry, battery-operated candles... And sliced oranges, this is beyond my expertise, but what do we think this is going to stir up and do for us as we enter into these next few days? And probably for many of us, we're hoping for different things. Some of us can talk about what we think is great about Christmas. Maybe more of us can list things that we don't like so much about Christmas. But many of us, we can't even answer why we even like jumping into Christmas. Why are we here? One of the reasons I've enjoyed looking at um, kind of Christmas and the Advent through this, the way John tells it in his gospel, and I'm not sure whether you noticed this for those of you who've been here for the last month, there's none of the regular Christmas stuff in John's gospel. There's, did you notice that? There's no shepherds, there's no angels, there's no Mary, there's no baby in a manger with golden fleece diapers. Anyone? Yeah, okay, there's a few. None of that. John just skips all of that and gets to the reason why all those things actually matter. Why would angels show up? Why would wise men show up? Why does anyone care? Why do all of these things matter? What does it mean that the light, as he says in verse 9, the light has come and that the light is true light? So I want to talk to us briefly about what this great story of Christmas means, not 2,000 years ago, but what it means today. 
We've been thinking of it over this last month kind of cognitively, but I, well, now I want to talk experientially. What does it mean for us? What does it mean that true light has shone and is offered to you and I? Why does Christmas matter? Well, the first thing is Christmas means that you and I can know God. Christmas means that you and I can know God. Christmas says, you want to know who God is? Look at Jesus. When we are learning about somebody, uh, we might observe how they, how they interact with other people. We might watch some of their habits. We might ask other people about them. John says, if you want to know who God is and what he's like and what he thinks of you, you look at Jesus, the light of life. Christmas is so radical because it highlights the fact that only Christianity of all religions of the world says that the divine creator of the world has become human. And therefore he's become like a child. And he's become vulnerable. And we'll find out later in the gospel, he even becomes killable. The God of creation submitted himself to even become killable. We worship a God with scars and we worship a God with scrapes. What does that mean for you and I? Well, some of you in this room have maybe had, many of you have had great experiences when you've gone to the hospital, I'm sure. Doctors, I'm sure. Some of you, by chance, maybe have had not such great experiences when you've stepped into a hospital. And you get into a hospital and you know you're going to be there for a few days and they, they slap a, I mean, a stylish paper gown on you and you're wondering, what's that breeze? as you wear it down the halls, and you're told to follow the line, just follow the line and go to the room and wait. And you step into a new room, things are different, you don't know who you're going to be talking to, what they're going to say to you. Then they maybe put you in another room and say, okay, now lay down on that table in the dark and we'll get to you. Some of you have maybe experienced that idea. And maybe we ask ourselves, you know, they, they send me down this line, they dress me this way, they don't answer all my questions, and here I am laying on a cold table in the dark. And you wonder, have they ever gone through this? I wonder what they would be like if they had to walk through the same experience that I'm going through right now. If this surgeon, if this uh, operator of this device who's going to take pictures of my, 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 my innards, if this person had walked through all this, I, wouldn't they become, wouldn't it become different the way they they treated their patients in the future? Or maybe the person who looks with disdain at the homeless person who's asking for food on the side of the road. You, and immediately has a whole reason why they shouldn't help them out and has all sorts of judgments about that person. I would imagine that if that person had experienced times of being down on their luck and having to ask others for help, if they might have a different idea when they look at that person. The event of Christmas, the true light shining into our darkness and the word becoming flesh means that when we sing joy to the world, the Lord has come, we are saying something that no other religion can say. No other religion dares to say that the God who created the universe has been prodded and moved along and stepped into fear and has been on the table in darkness and cold himself. That's what Christmas says. Christmas declares that God was willing to be hungry and lonely and homeless and grieved. So we can know him because he knows us well. That means when we say wonderful counselor, mighty God, those aren't just credentials. He is a wonderful counselor because he counsels from experience. He knows the human experience. God is not far off. He has come close. Christmas matters because it means we can know God as he knows us. But that leads me to my second point I want to give you this morning, and that is that Christmas also matters because it declares the end of religion. Now you're going, wait a second. Aren't we gathering on a Sunday because 
were religious. But Christmas declares the end of religion. And at the end of religion is not a prize because you did everything right, but it's a person. The end of religion is a person. That's the thing that makes it so hard for many to understand and accept. Religion is the desire to know whether there is something more. Is there something more out there? And, and if there is, can I figure out the, the right mechanism so that I can reach it and please it? At Christmas, we're told that God, the God of power, the only one worthy to judge, who appeared as smoke and fire and indescribable light in the Hebrew scriptures, the unscalable majesty of God, the transcendent holiness of God, has become a baby. See, you, you, you might think, oh, why right then? And I think, perfect. That's helpful. That's helpful. This is a logic that is difficult to take. It always has been. It's always been difficult for the world still living in darkness to understand this idea of getting rid of religion. And you can imagine an early Christian having a conversation with their pagan neighbor. And this, this early Christian might say to her neighbor, uh, I'm, I'm a Christian. And their neighbor might say, oh, fantastic, a new religion. I love new religions. Tell me about this new religion that you have. Uh, what, uh, where do you worship? Where's your temple? Oh, we don't have a temple. So the temple is where heaven meets earth, but our temple is Jesus. That's where heaven meets earth. Oh, oh, okay, but... But then who's your priest? Because you need to have a priest who can stand between you and the gods because it's too much for you. Oh, no, 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 no. Jesus, Jesus is our priest. He is, he is what stands for us before God. But what about your sacrifices? What about your rituals? Where are you going to do all those things? Where are you going to do your sacrifices? We don't do sacrifices. Jesus is our sacrifice. Eventually, that person is going to be led to say, well, what kind of religion is this? And you will say, she would say, no kind of religion at all. I found life in a person. All the stuff of religion is gone because Jesus is the temple. He is where we meet with eternity. He himself is the end of tabernacles and temples and sacrifices and all of that. He has brought an end to all of it. The light has shone into the darkness. Now, if all of this is true, if, if God has come and he is knowable, if the true light has entered the world and the end of religion is here, some might think that nothing is required of us. We'll just sit back. But that would be a ridiculous idea on its face, that we would not respond to this kind of fantastic news. If the desire of the human heart has been revealed through Jesus, the vulnerable, relatable God in human flesh, who would go on to express his love for all those he created by giving his own life as a final sacrifice, removing religion as a necessity, what does that mean practically? Well, it means that Christmas matters because the ideal has become real. Everything that hu the human heart has longed for has shown up. And we can see our human condition in a new light. And we can be changed by this new reality. If the ideal is real, there can be no halfway measures to following Jesus. If the ideal is real, then Jesus is not just another prophet. He's not just another, another good man pointing to God. He is the God, the desire, the hope, which all others point to. All other philosophies, all other ideologies, they're all hoping to grasp onto the true light that has shone. He is the true light. So warm fuzzies will not do if the ideal is real. Watching Elf won't pull it off. 
singing last Christmas, I gave you my heart, are all slightly insufficient for responding if the ideal is real. Many decades ago, there was a, a musical written called The Man of La Mancha, which is based on Don Quixote, uh, a Spanish novel. And this idea of the ideal becoming real plays out throughout the whole story. Don Quixote is a madman. And he believes he's a knight living in the Middle Ages and traveling throughout, trying to be a noble servant of those around him. He fights, he fights uh, windmills because he thinks windmills are monsters. And I think I have a picture. Do I have a picture of that? Back there, yeah. This is how Don Quixote sees the world. And that's why certain places in Spain have signs like this. Do not destroy our windmills. And so people would challenge Don Quixote. They would say, you are a madman. You see the world as something full of life and something noble and something with purpose and ideals. And at one point, Don Quixote meets uh, Aldonza. Aldonza is a woman who has had all sorts of trouble in her life. She has abused other people and taken advantage of them. And many people have taken advantage of her and abused her and done horrible things to her. And now she finds herself feeling worthless, unseen, and unknown with no light shining in her life and working in a kitchen in a small broken down inn. And Don Quixote meets her and all he sees is a princess. And he serenades her and he tells her how beautiful she is. And he tells her how he would devote his entire life to Aldonza. And so you can imagine her response would first be one of surprise, confusion, and then just irritation. Leave me alone. You don't see reality. And even those around Don Quixote would say, you are a madman. And he would say, the maddest thing of all is to see the world as it is and not as it should be and could be. And so eventually, after Aldonza went through being surprised and confused and irritated, as he continued to speak to her as a, as a, a princess and serenade her and sing over her, speaking to her with love and affection, telling her she was a woman of worth, eventually her character was transformed to become the very kind of person that he believed her to be. The ideal for her had become real. When we celebrate Christmas, true light shining into the darkness, the word of God being spoken audibly into our existence, we declare that the ideal is not just an ignorance of reality, but it is the explosion of a deeper reality into our world. The true light has come. We declare that God can be known, that religious striving is over, and that the ideal is real. And by this light, we see reality differently. We see others differently. We see ourselves differently. We, we see ourselves, in fact, more clearly as God sees us. And we too will be changed. We too can be relabeled, as Aldonza was. Relabeled as children of the true light. Children of the living God invited into his grace and truth. And so, guys, uh, we're going to finish the service this morning, and, and you're going you're gonna to head off this afternoon. You're going to head home uh, and invite others in. You're going to go and you're going to visit others. But in a few days, if all you have, is, has, have experienced is food and some laughter, moving the elf on the shelf one more time, come on. Who came up with the elf on the shelf? Who, who said... Christmas does not have enough. Let's add one more thing in that I have to deal with every morning. 
But if that's all our Christmas is, we'll continue to go through these motions, continue to open our calendars, running that maybe after the next bargain on, on Boxing Day. If this is all we run after, we will be stuck. We will miss out on a God who can be known. We will continue. We will still just be practicing religion and not loving a person. And the ideal will be packed away into boxes and put in the attic until next year. And so as I pray, as we pray, and as we step into this next week of Christmas lights, projections of snowflakes, I want us to invite the true light, the light by which all other light is in fact darkness, to redefine us, to give us meaning, to serenade over us, to overtake us and to change us into children of the living God. Because Christmas declares that God can be known, that our striving is over, and the ideal has become real. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you because you came as a vulnerable child. You experienced the dirt of humanity so that we could approach you as wonderful counselor. Jesus, you lived a life that would lead to defeat, the defeat, the defeat of death itself, and death and darkness in us and around us. And so we proclaim you as mighty God. Your love is never failing, and your desire is that we would respond and be called children of the living God. So we call you our Abba. We call you our everlasting Father. And Jesus, we declare to you, even in the midst of this season, we are in need of light in our darkness. We are in need of clarity in our chaos. And so we call out to you, please be our Prince of Peace. Live in us and through us, we pray. In this season, in our lives, be our greatest pursuit and our greatest prize. And may we be conduits of your light in a world so in need of it. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.